Hi, I'm Mathieu Rompré. And I'm Peggy Moss. This is Episode 7 of the Blake's Continuity Podcast. Today, we are going to focus on competition and foreign investment in Canada. We'll talk about how the pandemic is impacting companies looking to invest in Canada and how regulators are responding. We've got a lot of ground to cover. It's pretty much make or break for businesses, whether they are foreign or domestic. So let's dig right in. Let's welcome Julie Soloway and Naveen Joneja, partners in our competition antitrust and foreign investment group. Julie, the Canadian government recently issued a policy statement on the application of the Investment Canada Act during the pandemic. What can you tell us about the key elements of this policy? Thanks, Matthew. On April 18th, the Canadian government effectively put foreign companies on notice that it's going to be taking a closer look at certain transactions. They announced that investments related to public health or the supply of critical goods and services will be subject to enhanced scrutiny under the Investment Canada Act. We expect that this will be interpreted quite broadly, and it will likely capture investments relating to energy uh, and utilities, IT and telecoms, food, water, transportation, and potentially many other sectors. The government also announced that it's going to take a close look at state-owned enterprises and investors with close ties to foreign states. They're concerned about opportunistic investment behavior. And that basically means that during the pandemic, while all these companies in Canada have quite low valuations, they're concerned that foreign companies might come in and try and take advantage of these declining valuations um, and, and gobble up these companies under the thresholds. So in light of this, the government has recommended that foreign investors file notifications at least 45 days before closing to mitigate the risk of a post-closing review. Um, investors would be wise to canvas the possibility of potential national security issues early on in a transaction. And for transactions that do raise potential risks, investors should establish a proactive strategy for addressing these issues. Naveen, could you give us a sense of how this will impact timelines for approval? As Julie mentioned, the, the biggest implication um, of this new policy is that we will probably see more pre-closing filings and more pre-closing interactions with the government as opposed to post-closing notifications. Basically, under the Investment Canada Act, uh, once a notification is made, the government has 45 days to tell the investor whether or not they're going to initiate a national security review process. And a fairly standard practice had been to make these Investment Canada Act notifications after closing, mainly because the risk of a national security review was fairly rare, fairly identifiable. Uh, and it was only in the more extreme situation um, that you might have a filing made pre-closing. But because of this new announcement and national security reviews becoming more frequent, more prominent, um, there is a trend towards making those filings pre-closing. And what that does is it allows the investor to basically um, have a 45-day waiting period before closing, um, after which they would have comfort that there would be no national security review. Or if there is a national security review, be able to deal with that before having to close the transaction. Now, one of the interesting things that has happened 
is the government has also proposed legislation um, that could extend the timeframes for national security reviews. And one of the key implications is that this draft legislation would also allow for extensions of this initial 45-day waiting period that the parties would otherwise be using to gain comfort that they won't be subject to a national security review. So if this legislation is passed, it will introduce this additional amount of uncertainty. And that, to me, goes to what Julie was saying about making sure that there is early planning uh, by the parties to try to address some of these contingencies in the transaction agreement and um, in case there is a, a national security review that's initiated. Julie, going back to you, what is the rationale for these changes? One could argue that this is really meant to make feds look on top of it. Is it just window dressing? Um, well, I think it's more than just window dressing. There's um, a concerted international and domestic opposition effort to bring these issues to the forefront. Just internationally, these statements and, and changes and, and, and everything we've been discussing is in line with what's happening around the world. For example, Australia introduced temporary changes to its foreign investment review framework, allowing it to review more transactions regardless of the size and extending their time um, line for review from 30 days to up to six months. The EU has released updated guidance for investment into Europe, urging member states to take action to protect companies and critical assets in health-related industries, um, in particular PPE equipment. And they're saying, please protect these companies from foreign buyouts. And uh, France, Germany, the Netherlands have all taken action as a result of this. Um, the EU competition policy had specifically called out China as um, a potential source of foreign investment for coming in and taking over uh, low valuation businesses and that countries should encourage investors, domestic investors, to try and protect against this uh, dynamic. Um, similarly, in the US, we're seeing more extended reviews, although there has not been formal legal changes. And in Canada, uh, on top of what uh, Naveen and I have already discussed, the Standing Committee on Industry Science and Technology uh, recently passed a motion to conduct a study on the ICA, and this will be done during the month of June. And the goal of the committee is to provide a recommendation to the government on whether the current thresholds are appropriate, given the um, devaluations in many companies. Uh, across the country, or whether they should implement a temporary prohibition on investments by state-owned enterprise from authoritarian countries. So um, they're really targeting this towards bad actors who they think will be trying to take advantage of the crisis. This is driven in large part by the opposition uh, in Parliament as well. There's a lot that's uh, being said out there on this. What are the implications for foreign companies looking to acquire Canadian businesses? Yeah, all of these um, developments do have important implications for foreign investors and Canadian businesses that are considering uh, a merger or, or an acquisition. Uh, from a practical perspective, um, I would really put them in, into two categories. First of all, um, parties to a transaction need to really expand the areas or the consideration of the areas that could be subject to uh, enhanced scrutiny under the Investment Candidate Act and the national security provisions in particular. 
So we're no longer just talking about what one might consider as sort of a core national security uh, industry, defense-related items or extremely sensitive technologies and so on. But um, there is a need to now sort of expand that thinking into things like critical infrastructure because of this new announcement that Julie was discussing, public health-related industries, um, and certainly COVID response-related businesses probably need to have that extra uh, thought given as to whether or not there is going to be a process under the Investment Canada Act. That type of planning and thinking is certainly um, one practical implication of, uh, of these new announcements. The second one, and this is a key practice point that we try to emphasize, is that businesses need to think about these issues uh, early on in their transaction planning. That way they can um, make a proper assessment, um, properly address things like how to allocate the risk of a national security review in the transaction agreement or possible delays under the Investment Canada Act and how that might imp implicate uh, transaction timing. But the key is early planning um, allows for those issues to be addressed uh, so there's no surprises uh, down the road. So those would, uh, are what I would say are the two, uh, two key practical implications of, of these new developments under the Investment Canada Act. Thank you, Julie and Naveen, for taking the time to talk with us today. You've helped us make sense of complicated territory. Listeners, if you'd like more information on this topic or any other legal issues related to the pandemic and how we successfully emerged from it, please check out our website. Until next time, stay safe and stay well. Mm -hmm.